Hello and welcome to another episode of the Journal of Isakos podcast. My name is Dr. Andreas Foss and together with Dr. Manos Briakis, we're more than happy to have Dr. Chola from the Department of Orthopedic Surgery at Rush University Medical Center in Chicago with us today. In this episode, we will talk about his recently published article titled Patient-Specific Instrumentation for Medial Opening Wedge High Tibial Osteotomies in the Management of Medial Compartment Osteoarthritis Tide Accuracy and Low Complication Rage, a Systematic Review in the Journal of Physicals. Hello, Jordi, and thank you for your time to join our podcast. So maybe before we start, you can tell us a few words about your clinical and scientific background. Thank you so much, Andreas, and it's a, an honor for me to participate in the podcast. Thank you to the Isicus Journal for inviting me. Um, I'm, I'm from Argentina, and uh, I did my, my residency in orthopedics there, and then um, I came to the States almost nine years ago now uh, to do multiple fellowships in sports medicine at the Stedman Clinic, then um, the Kerlin Jove Institute in LA, and then I stayed here on faculty at Rush. Um, I mostly do 50% almost uh, knee, 50% complex knee, 50% hip arthroscopy or, or preservation. And uh, my research interests are pretty much in all preservation techniques uh, that include open and, and arthroscopic techniques and, and also biological treatments. Um, you know, this study was a very interesting study for us because uh, as you have uh, probably seen, not only in Europe, but also in America, osteotomies are more and more popular. And uh, one of the things that we have seen in the, in the past few years is the emergence of patient-specific guides and, and more patient-specific instrumentation. And um, we wanted to see if there was any differences in, in the outcomes and, and complication rates and um, any other differences that would pose, a, a, you know, kind of like a benefit or of a drawback of adding this technology to people. And I think. Sometimes when we look at these studies separately, it's, it's not as clear to see if it's actually better than, than not using anything or if it's better for people that don't have much experience or if it's better for everyone. How does that impact times and costs for people as well as outcomes? So that's what drove us to, to do this study. Great, so if you could sum up your study, what was your most important finding? The most important finding was that you can actually be very accurate with the use of patient-specific guides, that once you've gone through the learning curve, it doesn't add much time to the surgery. It sometimes can shorten the time. And the complication rates is, is not high at all. So it does not add any, any more complications based on the studies that have compared normal uh, 2D planning guides or 2D uh, planning um, kind of um, you know surgery versus the 3D PSI guides. Perfect. So wouldn't it be also interesting to know the differences between patient-specific instrumentation and no patient-specific instrumentation? I mean, the classical way of osteotomies uh, uh, in sense of clinical outcomes and postulative accuracy. I'm asking that question because PSI and software will add additional costs to the surgery. It's a, it's a great question, Andreas. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of studies comparing head-to-head -head those two uh, groups. There was four studies that we saw in our paper that actually did compare those, and the accuracy of patient-specific guides was closer to the preoperative planning. That being said, you know, clinically, uh, patients did fairly similar. So to your question, I think that people that have 
and th this is just my own uh, summary of the study based on the data that has been published, for people that have a lot of experience with uh, osteotomies, it may not add a significant value, but for people that are not as used to doing osteotomies, patient-specific guides can help you be more accurate with your cuts, um, knowing exactly what type or the length of the screws, for example, where the patient sit and so forth, so that you can be more attentive to those details. Some of these guides also have uh, some pins that you can put in, on, in, in the cortex that it's gonna be hinged on and uh, protect that cortex from breaking. So that can help as well for people that don't have as much experience. Um, but overall, you know, based on the data that we have, one of the things that we wanted to make sure is that it will be more accurate or it will not be, it will not increase the rate of complications and it did not do so. But again, as, as I said before, for something, for somebody that does a lot of these, potentially not going to add too much value. Well, I would absolutely be with you with that answer. So interestingly, there is a huge variation of major complications ranging from 0 to 13%. I mean, 13% is a huge number. Um, first of all, what is your definition of major complications after media wedge osteotomy? And why do you think there is such a huge difference? Well, I think it's based on how they're reported and how they define major complications, right? That's the problem with systematic reviews. And sometimes they don't even say which those complications were. They just say they, they were major complications. Uh, in my mind, major complications will be an intraoperative fracture of a lateral cortex, um, any neurovascular injury, um, or any uh, readmission or conversion to a, a, a partial knee replacement or a total knee replacement. Those are the, the major complications and or failure of the osteotomy. Now, clearly, um, just by using these guides, um, as long as you know and execute on the principles, complications should be fairly similar. The only thing that, that I think you could add to, to the PSI is that in the beginning, as you're doing your learning curve, it may take you more time and the complications associated with a, with a higher learning curve. Besides that, as, as long as you have the retractors well-placed and um, you're cognizant of where the neurovascular structures are and potentially prevent um, lateral cortex uh, fractures, then it, it should be fairly similar. The only thing with a PSI guide is that if you have an incorporated uh, hole for a pin that you can pass onto the lateral cortex to protect that fracture from happening, I think that's one of the things that PSI can prevent you. And clearly you can do that freehanded as well, but for most people, I don't think most people don't do that. Okay. So um, did your findings change your clinical practice in any way? They have not. I think we we really wanted to make sure that this technology would actually do what it's supposed to do, which is to give you more accuracy. Um, I have used this system and I don't use it for every case, but I do use it for cases that are more complicated in the sense of having to do biplanar corrections because it's hard sometimes to understand the three-dimensional aspect of things once you're looking at the bone. So for those patients, I think it's, it actually adds a value when you have to do a single plane correction, um, it's potentially faster, easier with a smaller incision, sometimes to do without it in my hands. But clearly, um, if you don't have a lot of experience with osteotomies, it's probably not a bad thing to use just because it's kind of uh, uh, an instrument that will reassure your measurements and potentially you have a guide or a plan of execution of the osteotomy that you can 
look into as you're doing the surgery, making sure that all the steps have been planned accordingly. Great, and this answer leads me to the last question. So what would be your advice for a young professional in performing needle open wedge osteotomies? I think there, there's multiple things. One is to find a mentor that can show you uh, tips and tricks. There's a lot of things that can be done to avoid any major issues. Uh, the second thing is to practice this in the lab. Go to the lab as many times as you can. Make sure that you get the technique down. Uh, third of all, if you have any hesitation, always starting with this planning uh, is helpful because you can see it and execute it in your head before you go and do the surgery. And take your time to do the surgery. This is not the one that you want to rush. As you're opening the wedge, you want to make sure that you allow for some plastic deformation of the cortex. So you want to open it slow. You want to make sure that if there's something to be fixed, you fix it at the time of surgery. If you have a, a lateral cortex fracture, you address that at the time of surgery and not let it go because you may have a problem down the line. It's much easier to put a staple or sometimes a screw or another plate on the lateral cortex right at that time. But it's much more difficult to treat that once that's broken and the correction has been lost six weeks after. So just take your time to learn, take your time to execute and take uh, good care of whatever happens in surgery to make sure that you're going to be successful in the long run. Great. I have nothing to add to this answer. So thank you once again for your time uh, to join our podcast and hopefully we'll have you back for the next podcast with your next publication in the Journal of Physicos. Thank you so much, Andreas, and, and kudos to you and your team and the social media team at Isikos. You guys are doing a great job. Thank you. This was Associate Professor Dr. Andreas Voss from the University Hospital of Regensburg in Germany on behalf of the Journal of Isikos. We hope to have you back for our next episode. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the society or the journal.